you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. You're headed there. It was just a few years ago that we introduced a new mission statement, new core truths, new logo, really all of that hoping to capture who we are and what we believe as a church, right? So we would say together, we glorify God by making disciples of all nations. That's kind of encapsulates in short form who we are. And, and we have these truths that kind of guide us in many ways. We would say that we belong, we gather, and we send. I even took like 15 or 16 sermons uh, and preached through scripture about who we are and what scripture has to say about the church, right? Helping us consider those foundations. We turned those sermons into a book and now new members get that as a resource, helping them to understand what we believe about scripture and what it says to us about the church. And those same truths have guided us like to create our church covenant that we also kind of follow through with. And, and what you may not realize is that the, that time provides just like those sermons, our time in the word there provides for us this consistent help. In fact, most specifically to the elders. We are regularly, in fact, I wish for so many of you could just be like a fly in the wall in there um, as regularly when we are discussing different matters as elders and we have the scripture open trying to consider and understand what God has to say about whatever it is that we're looking at, discussing, thinking about. And, and so uh, it is the scripture that guides us. It is the scripture and those, those foundational truths that we kind of established what we believe. And so I was, as I began to study these, uh, the verses we're about to look at, I realized that the text kind of breaks out in the same way, belonging, gathering, and sending. So what we're going to do today is we'll use uh, the text to guide us, but those, those three kind of core truths uh, as we, we walk through this text together. So if you would turn again to Hebrews 10, we'll start in verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he has opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has spurned the Son of God, has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace? 
For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge the people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteousness, but, excuse me, but my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Listen again to verse 39. Maybe, maybe as a, a word to us. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. I said that we would kind of follow this text with those Core truths in mind belong, gather sin. So we'll start there with we belong. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, remember, I've said this before. Uh, remember that to belong to Colonial Heights, you must first belong to Christ. Right? I remember preaching through uh, that series a few years ago, and each each Sunday I would talk. I would kind of stand over here and talk about uh, belonging, and then I would stand right here and I would talk about gathering, and I would stand right there and talk about sending, and kind of make this progression for us as a reminder of who we are. And I, I said it week after week after week in hopes that I might finally remember it, <laughs> and that maybe you would too. That we would it would kind of sink into who we are. But this belonging idea means that we actually are followers of Christ, that we belong to him and he to us. So, so don't get me wrong. If you are a guest with us, we are glad that you are here. We, we want you to sing and to, to stand and to, to pray, sit, listen. But in order to, to be held accountable, in order to have regular opportunities for service, in order to, to vote, in order to hold us accountable. Like, you must belong to us. And by the way, again, we want you to belong to us. In fact, I feel like this is a good time to say this. Some of you have been guests long enough. You know what I mean? Like, it's time. Like, you're doing all the things that you can. You're, you're showing up. In fact, some of you are like giving like gifts when people have babies or somebody goes to this surgery. You're doing that kind of stuff, but you're just, for whatever reason, you're not in. Well, it's time. Be in. We want you here. We want you to make this place your home. We want you to hold us accountable. We want to hold you accountable. In just a little bit, we're going to talk about sending people but we want to send you out. But in order for us to do that, we actually need you to be 
with us. So if, if that's something that's kind of on your radar, at the end of the, our gathering, I say this week after week, but if you have questions or things that are kind of going through your head or you want to be a part of us, you want to belong to Colonial Heights, here to my left, there will be some standing there. Uh, that would be a perfect time for you to come and say, I want to belong. I want to be here. I want to be with this group. We also have Membership Matters. That's a class that we teach uh, once a month and kind of tells a little bit more about us. So July 13th, so not this Wednesday, but the next Wednesday at 6 o'clock, we'll have that time. I, I look forward to being in there with you. But more importantly than just what I say or what we say is what Scripture says. And so look again at verses 19 and following. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. As I was reading back through that, I noticed several of the other things we've mentioned mentioned a better sacrifice and that there's a better holy place, right? There's a better, he's a better temple, better tabernacle, better priest. You see, we have confidence in Christ because of his sacrifice. Remember our discussion last week? As we, as we consider Jesus as the better sacrifice, we, we even took the Lord's Supper together, remembering that Jesus sacrificed himself for us. That's far better than the blood of goats and bulls and rams and, and the, the blood of pigeons and doves. And the, the fact that those have to be done over and over and over. In fact, we need them to be done daily, if not hourly. But they're at least done weekly and monthly and annually. You see, we can enter into relationship with the Father because of the blood of Jesus. That's why we have confidence to enter those holy places by whose blood? The blood of Jesus. You see, our, our confidence is not in those goats or those bulls or those pigeons or those doves. But it's also not in our church membership. Right? This is a, a section where I'm telling you, I want you to belong here. But your ability to, to stand before the Father has nothing to do with your ability to stand in this room. Your ability to, to, to one day spend eternity with Christ is because of the blood of Christ. See, our, our confidence is not because we walked an aisle and prayed a prayer or got dunked in some water. Our confidence is be found in Christ in his death and resurrection alone. Right? Keep in mind that this is the truth that guides all that we are. I think you hear people say things like, we want to be hidden behind the cross. We want to fix our eyes on Jesus. We want to focus on Christ. This is because we believe that our hope is in him, both now and our hope for the future. We have confidence in Christ because of his sacrifice, and we hold our confession in Christ because of his faithfulness. Right, verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is 
faithful. This is one of those where uh, it would be good, like uh, as you're, if you are one who writes in your Bible, uh, circle let us. Like this is the work that we do. Let us, and put an arrow, what do we do? We hold fast, right? So let us hold fast. But, and, and notice that that's important. We hold fast with our hope without wavering. How or why? Because he, or for he, you can circle that and put, a, put an arrow to faithful, right? We don't do, we don't get to hold fast because we are strong. We don't hold fast because we have a good enough grip. We don't hold fast because we are faithful. We hold fast because he is faithful. This is a sweet reminder to us that we are unfaithful sinners, but he is not. I don't know what, what you envision uh, or when you, when you think about me telling you or telling us that we are sinners. I don't, uh, I don't relish that, right? Like I don't cherish the thought that I get to, to say to all of us that we're wicked. And in and of ourselves, we are evil. Like that's, that's something I wake up in the morning, I can't wait to tell that to them. In fact, uh, I know you don't like it because I look at all your faces. Every time I say that, it's, there's a little cringe, like, ah, oh, I didn't want to hear that again. But I say it because it's true. Because we need to be reminded that, that our, our salvation is not based on our ability to hold to him. We can cling to our confession and our salvation, not because we are so strong, but because he is so faithful. Even using a phrase like hold fast or cling, we must remember that our grip isn't strong enough. But Jesus is. is. So we, we belong to him and we belong to one another. Right? Because we belong to Christ, then we get to be the bride of Christ, which is the church. So we get to belong to one another. And because we belong, the natural progression from that is that we gather. We actually like getting together. Look at verses 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, this, this portion of scripture is actually uh, increasingly controversial. I will say that honestly, speaking of like showing up is a pretty low bar in regards to Christianity, right? Like just go, uh, like be here. Like, it, it, there are certainly other things. There's, there's high bars in Christianity. Expectations. We, we even talk about that. What's expected, we'll talk about this in a minute. We're expected to be holy as he is holy. We'll get there in a minute. But this bar, when it comes to attendance, it's just show up. Be there. Be here. You might be thinking, Chad, I know this. I mean, I'm here right now. So why are you saying this to me? And I would, I would agree with you. But I want to make sure and remind all of us 
to prioritize this time. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. Vacations are allowed. Family time is good. It's allowed, not just allowed, like those things are good for us. But I do believe that far too often we have overvalued our time on the ball field or the vacation spot or the sleeping in and otherwise to brought detriment to the church family as a whole. You may not realize that your decision to not be here affects everybody else that is here. Some of you are right now, like your, your norm is, like this is even maybe out of the norm. You've been watching at home. Don't just do what is easier when you know it is not what is best. Now, you see, church is not intended to simply be a spectator sport. It is a, to be a people that you are belonging to. And therefore, it is right for you to be with them, not just watching them from a distance. I realize that there are some right now who are at home or, or in a nursing home or a hospital or otherwise, and they would far prefer to be in this room. They're just not physically able. But I would, I would say that that's not the case for everyone. This text reminds us of why we should actually gather together. First is because we stir up, right? Verse 24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. This, this phrase, stir up, uh, is very similar to an understanding of what a spur does on a horse. I'm going to explain that in just a minute, but it means to indicate concentrated movement, provoking or irritating excitement, right? So this is the work of a spur. So this is a spur. This goes on your boot. And you may or may not know this about me, but I don't know anything about spurs. Um, I, I really, I, I, I've ridden a horse before, but certainly not with spurs on. And, uh, it was really one of those where like the guy was just holding like, while I was right. Like, that doesn't really count. Right. Like, I guess I have done a little, it doesn't even matter. I've never done this. So, so I wanted to learn more about spurs and what they do and how they work. And so I asked a church member if I could borrow one of these for an illustration and they were gracious enough to say yes. And then I, I asked just like in a text format, I just asked a quick question like uh, about the spurs and real quick, they were like, no, I'm not sending that in a text. I'm not going to let you stand up there and sound, well, and sound not smart uh, in front of all those people. So we got on the phone. We talked for like 25 minutes about spurs. So I would not go so far to say that I'm an expert on these things, but like I'm, I know a lot more now than I did earlier this week. And so I would say like incredibly intriguing to know about spurs. And so here's, here's what I, I want to help us all become like closer experts on spurs. Okay. In fact, kids, if y'all are drawing today, boys and girls, uh, draw like a spur or a horse or a cowboy or a cowgirl um, and, and or a boot, anything that helps you remember this part. I think, I think it will, but, but listen to all of this part carefully. Uh, 
they're used for different things. So on the, on like the one end, you have like the, the bronco, right? Like the bucking bronco. And so for them, like it's actually used to bring a little bit of pain, to cause them to actually like jump up and down. But, but other than that, when a, a spur is typically used, the horse is not hurt. Like if you, if you look at it, you think, yes, it is. But just, I would say, trust me, but trust the person that I asked, okay? Uh, it's, it's not intended to hurt them. In fact, the rider uses all of their body to direct the horse. So they use their arms, they use their legs, they use their center of gravity, they use their voice. And these are intended to be like an extension of their legs. So a spur is just supposed to be like an extension of that. Of course, there's things like reins and spurs that, that are those extensions. But this, this little spiky thing, right? The whole thing is the spur. This little spiky thing, it, which I'm sure it, that church member is real not happy that I just called it a spiky thing. Uh, this is called the rowel, okay? And a rowel can be different blunt. So it can be like, that's a sharper one. There can be ones that are really just like just a whole circle. And, and the reason I'm telling you all of this is because that they are, if you're not careful with them, if you don't know what you're doing, you can harm the horse, right? But the idea is that the rider can produce what's called unseen cues, that with their legs, with their spurs, they can tell the horse which way to go. What's really intended with the spur is to keep the horse, who's supposed to be knowing the direction, like to keep the horse in line. So you use a spur, if they're going too far right, you use a spur to get them back going left a little bit. Or if they're, they're left, you use it to get them to go right a little bit. The, the rider uses their center of gravity instead to, to help them know how fast to go. I found this to be so intriguing. Uh, you, you want this to keep the horse in line. When a trained rider is instructing a horse, they have like a three-step process. They ask, tell, and command, right? So first, they're going to ask the horse. If the horse is a little bit uh, not wanting to do whatever they, the rider tells them, then they tell them. And then they command it, right? Now, y'all are smart people. So I bet that you can see this natural correlation between spurring on a horse and spurring church members to love and good works. You see, we want to keep each other in line. We want to actually help each other stay on a, the course that's mapped out in Scripture. We want to help each other do the most we can to honor Christ. We want to do this, and sometimes that means all we have to do is brush the spur kind of up against your back. And you will realize what you need to do, all we need to do is ask. Sometimes we need to do a little bit more. We need to be a little bit more forceful, and we need to tell you that you are out of line. You are in sin. Sometimes we need to be even more intense, and we need to command tell you that you are out of line. You are in sin. And according to scripture, you must turn back to Christ. You are away from him. But see, all of this, all of this has, does not have the desire of actually hurting you. In the same way, you're not trying to hurt the horse. You're just trying to steer the horse. And we, we're not trying to hurt one another as we stir up one another. We're not trying to cause pain. We're actually 
intending to cause love, like show you to love as Christ loves and serve as Christ serves. Which is why we need not only to stir up, but the text reminds us that we are to lift up. Like the next verse, very next verse. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Like that, that word encourage actually means like to come under and lift up. So when you're in your darkest hour and your hardest day, you're going through the struggle and the suffering and the heartache and the pain, that there would be other brothers and sisters that would go in the pit with you and lift you up. That would speak words of encouragement to you. That would pray prayers of encouragement over you. That would be there when it's hard. But guess what? In order for us to to stir up or to spur on, in order for us to come under and lift up, we all need to be here. Right? We we can't do that from a distance. It's It's just not humanly possible for us to be all that we need to be for one another. You all have heard of the ministry of presence, right? Sometimes when, when like your friend is just devastated, something hard has happened to them, they've lost a loved one or they're going through a hard time and sometimes you show up and you don't need to talk at all. You just need to be there. Let them cry on your shoulder, watch a TV show together, eat a bowl of ice cream. That's always a good idea. Right, like do whatever that thing is. You just need a friend. You don't need to have to talk about it or process. You just need someone to not talk. Guess what? We need that for each other. Here, like that, that's what we do. We, we stir one another up. We're, we're present together. When we're singing songs, we're singing them like to God, but like to each other as well. That's why congregational sing. We don't just have them stand and perform for us. No, we, we join in together in these ways. And this is all like part of gathering. And I don't have to remind you, I don't think that how desperately so many of us missed that a couple years ago. Like, right, our hearts were sinking week after week when we were not gathering. I will say this, I want to do whatever I can, that that never happens again. That we find some way for us to, to be in some form together. Because, man, that was hard. I'm not saying we made the wrong decision. I'm saying, like, whew, I don't want to do that again. We we gather because it matters. And we send. You may think, okay, Chad, I listened to you as you read through that passage of Scripture. I didn't hear sending in there. In fact, I did not hear... uh, this idea of the Great Commission, or I didn't, I didn't catch those words. So what are you seeing? I understand that our work is to be sent. But I, I know that part of that work is an ongoing like part of who we are. That you can't, yeah, we gather, but that's because we've been scattered, Right? The idea of gathering together means that we weren't always in the room together. So we we were spread out. So there's an assumption that you were somewhere else, and that meant you have been sent to wherever it is you were. So as we go, we seek to live in holiness. 
Again, look at verses 26 and 27. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Verse 31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I want to confess something to you that has been severely convicting to me over the past couple years, I realize that I have for years passionately preached and taught the need to go and the need to make Christ known where he is not yet known and to be good at sending and going. I've passionately worked to convince like with the word of God to, to show us as a church and churches even before this one that we should be doing that. And, and I think that was okay. But my confession to you is that there have been far too many times that I have preached that message void of the message that we must do that in the righteousness and perfection of Christ. I have elevated the going over holiness. And so I want to confess that. And, and so in order to remedy that, I want to remind you that you go because of the righteousness of Christ in you. Like this is what we do. The righteousness of Christ compels us to make him known. Far too often, we have been convinced that we were supposed to go and tell. And then we go and tell, but we look nothing like Christ. So the world doesn't want to hear what we have to say because we don't look like Jesus. So church, may we be the church who lives out the holiness of Christ in us with our actions and our words. You see, as we go, we seek to live in holiness. And as we go, we seek to rejoice in suffering. Verse 32, but recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. See, the reason we go is because we know Jesus is better. He's better than whatever's taken away from us. He's better than whatever suffering we might go through. And I don't know if you recall this or know this, but life is hard. You should expect it to be so. You know what? No one expects an Olympic athlete to become an Olympic athlete without some degree, degree of sacrifice, right? I mean, you don't expect them to like just show up. Some people, that is really the only reason they aren't Olympic athletes, right? They have that raw talent. They have the physique, but they're just willing, not willing to do the hard part, not willing to put in the extra effort. And I wonder if some of us look at true Christianity and say, 
I'm not willing to sacrifice like that. You know that Jesus is better. You settle for playing little league because you know it will take too much sacrifice to make it to the bigs. Not just sacrifice of your time and energy, your money, but you know that the closer you get to Christ, the closer you get to his sufferings, and that doesn't seem very appealing to you. I want to challenge you, though, today. You see, if you do not experience trials, sufferings, tribulations, or sacrifices in any way, you might not actually have turned away from your sin. And I realize that is not a popular thing to say. You might have asked Jesus in your heart, but you, don't, you didn't surrender to him. You might have gotten dunked in some water, but you didn't take up your cross and follow Jesus. Listen carefully. In order to really belong, and in order for your gathering to have meaning and your sending to be correct, it is essential that you submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ and that you share in his sufferings. But those sufferings pale in comparison to the glory that will one day come. I know that, that speaking of suffering it doesn't sound like, let me sign on the dotted line, but I'm telling you, suffering now is worth it for what is to come. We get to share in the sufferings of Christ. So we, we seek to rejoice in these sufferings. As we go, we do. We want to go regularly, confidently. So as we go, we seek to advance in confidence. All right, I want you to hear this. Scripture is reminding us, verse 35, do not throw away your confidence, which is a great reward. Do not shrink back. Live out your faith. Verse 39, right? Like this has to be who we are. Now I'm not saying hold on to your confidence as in like just think better about yourself. Look in the mirror and tell yourself that you're smart enough and pretty enough and right? People like you. Don't say those things. Remember that Jesus is better. Jesus is where your confidence is found. Jesus is where what you need is. And when we do that, then we start to think about those, those things that we have said we are. We have said as a part of our vision that we want to love our community. So we do that work. We do things like we, we commit to praying for every neighbor in our neighborhood. We, we commit to offering personal invitations to, to church gatherings. We serve in ministries like Hope Hollow and Sunnybrook and at Ann Smith Elementary. We do things like support a church plant in Rankin County. Like just a few weeks, by the way, take a deep breath. At least it is for me that around 25 of our church members will be, as someone said earlier, will be redeployed. They'll be leaving us in just a few weeks. We want to give financial, like sacrificially to the budget and to whatever it takes, this campaign to help us do the work, to get out of debt. But we want to not just love our community. We want to be ones that reach our world, right? We are convinced and convicted of what Scripture has to say about reaching all nations. Just this 
past week, in fact, uh, like our, we want to do things like our, this one senior adult life group who gathered together supplies and, and got them sent, gathered items that were needed, sent to refugees from Ukraine, like pulled those things together so that they would be, uh, like have things that they needed. They included in that, they were brought by people who were bringing the gospel with them. There are mission trips that are taken. There's even ones that are right now. We just got back from the Dominican Republic. Somebody's in Uganda right now. We have people going to Scotland soon. But what about like actually moving overseas? I, I have prayed, pleaded with God that, that that would be normalized here at Colonial Heights. That would be like regular for people in our church to be sent from us permanently whether it's in a church plant across the town or in another state or, I mean, like right now, like Rebecca McWilliams is on a midterm placement. The Marshes, the Edgars, the Votes, Ellie Brooker, D Diana Way, like these families and individuals who are like this fall all being sent out by us. By the way, I'm not sure if you have done the math, but between Cross Community Church and these families and individuals I just mentioned, we're talking about 40 or 50 people being sent out permanently by us. And I will just say, uh, like that's a tough one. Like these aren't people, like this isn't the B team. These are people that serve and give and are active. Like they belong to us. Like all the stuff I just said about belonging, I mean about them. And now, they're, now we're sending them out. I mean, some of them, we're paying them to leave. Right, when you start thinking about it, really, like that's what we're doing. We're, we're helping them go. We're helping make this happen because we, we want to be a people that send this way. In fact, I would say, like mark your calendars for August 14th. Um, that is move up Sunday for like our uh, uh, children and students, like their life groups, they'll, they'll move up to their new life groups. But in this room, it's commissioning Sunday. And so in this room, all of those families that we are sending out, uh, we will be sending out together. We will celebrate and we will pray over them. And so I encourage you, August 14th, be here that day. I am overwhelmed with joy and trepidation for what is in store but I would say you do not want to miss that day as we do the work of sending. This is why we do things like we say we're going to pray for the nations. Week after week, we put countries before us that we are praying for. Like this week, we're praying for Equatorial Guinea. Might not even know that was a place. But they, in, their, uh, in their country, they have a people called the House of People. They are about 28,000, and they have 0.03% of the House of People know who Christ is, or evangelical. The Joshua Project had us today praying for uh, the Yadu Zheng in China. There's 39,000 of them, and only 0.01% of them are evangelical. This is why we belong, we gather, and we send. You know what one of my dreams is? You know those unreached people? Like those, those countries we put before us, or maybe you get the Joshua Project app and you pray for a different unreached people every day. One of my, my prayers is that one day, one of those people groups will come up and we'll be able to say, there's a Colonial Heights person there. Like 
we're on our way. Like, we're coming for you. You get on the unreached people list, you get that, like, we're coming for you. You're not going to be unreached forever because we're coming. Colonial Heights, the people of God are coming. And, and so we send. We want to send and send more and send more. And so we've got work to do. That means we've got, in order to send more and more people away, we've got to reach more and more people here. That means you've got to do, we have to do the work of sharing Christ with all those who come in contact. That's why we seek to advance in confidence. We stand in boldness, preaching good news that brought us salvation. And we don't, we're not able to do that because of our faithfulness, right? You remember back to the beginning? We don't hold fast because we are faithful. We hold fast because he is faithful. We're not able to be bold because we are just have that charismatic personality. We're able to do that because the spirit that lives in us is faithful. We're not able to convince people to turn to Christ. But the Spirit is. And the Spirit is faithful to draw people to himself over and over and over again. So, would you celebrate the faithfulness of Christ? In, I mentioned at the beginning that I would, I would point to this room and would say that anybody who wants to uh, belong to Colonial Heights to make their way to that room, and I meant that. But there's also space there. There's people there that would love to talk to you about truly surrendering your life to Christ. Not just saying, I've walked denial one time, but to say, no, I, I want to submit to his lordship. And so in just a moment, I want to invite you to to make your way there. If you've got questions or concerns, things you're trying to figure out, what does it look like for me to turn from my sin and trust in Jesus? It's just that. It's, it's you turning from your sin and trusting in Jesus. But there are people who would love to answer questions or point you to scripture. So trust in him. Maybe it is that you, you do, you know him. But it's hard, right? Maybe you're going through that struggle difficulty, and you need the body of Christ to come alongside you and encourage you, to lift you up. Maybe you needed a little spurring today. Know that you find that here. There are brothers and sisters that want to care for you well and that need you to care for them. But all of us, all of us need to celebrate the faithfulness of our God who is worthy of our worship and worthy of our adoration, our praise. So stand with me now as we celebrate his faithfulness to us.